All right. Now that all the fun's happened, let's get started. <laughs> Go ahead and pray, guys. Uh, dear Lord, we thank you for this time that we can come together and uh, hear your word, Lord, to uh, understand more about you and understand more about what you have penned down through your Holy Spirit. Lord, we just pray that you would uh, work in our hearts and our lives to understand what you want to tell us. Lord, that you would give us wisdom. And Lord, that you would even give us boldness uh, to uh, to proclaim your word and to uh, just uh, follow you with all our hearts. Lord, we pray for each and every man, man that walks through the doors of this uh, facility. Lord, Lord, would you touch their lives? Would you touch their hearts? Lord, would you draw them to you? Lord, if there are none following you, would they come to know you as Lord and Savior? For everybody who is following you, Lord, we just pray that uh, you would continue to strengthen them as they walk with you, Lord. So, Lord, we give you this time, and Lord, we just praise you and love you in your name. Amen. So, again, how's everybody doing? Good, 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 good. I know you're good. You said you were good. Uh, Simone, how are you? Sipping on that Mountain Dew back there. So, tonight, I wanted to do something that I actually have never done. How many of you ever heard of the Roman Road? You ever heard of that? I think these guys back here have heard that. So, what it is, is it's, it's literally like, the Romans in Israel, when they occupied Israel, they built roads and highways. That's how you could have all this in and out of Israel. Well, in the Bible, what the Roman roads is, is a set of verses through the book of Romans that really lays out the gospel. And while most of us have probably heard the gospel, this might be in a different form of how you hear it. But I think it's really awesome, and it kind of puts it into a really good perspective for people that maybe don't really totally understand the gospel, but still follow Jesus. So that's what we're going to go through. And like I said, I've never actually done it before, so this is a uh, a journey that we're all going to be on together. So, <laughs> And it actually starts in Romans 3, verse 10 through 12. And uh, we'll talk about each of these as we go through them. So, um, as it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. All alike have become worthless. There is no one who does what is good, not even one. And uh, so Paul is writing this down. And he's literally telling us that None of us have anything good, anything righteous within ourselves. That we're all, for lack of better words, stupid, messed up sinners. Right? This is how we come into the world. It's called the fallen nature, right? We all suffer a sin nature. We all live in this flesh body that loves to go after sin. You know, and Paul lays it out perfectly. There's no one. No one's done enough good. No one's done enough righteous deeds. So we're all considered as being worthless. I don't know about you, but when I start to realize my sin and my messed up nature, I start to feel that worthlessness. I start to feel like, man... What does my life mean right now? 
And when I'm in sin, it means nothing. It means absolutely nothing. And Paul continues on in in, uh, chapter 3, verse 23. He says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, the glory of God, the reason we fall short of it is because His standard is perfection. God's standard is perfection. He cannot live with imperfection because He's perfect. If we were to stand before God without the righteousness of Jesus, we would die and be separated from Him forever. That's just the reality of who God is. He is perfect, so He cannot be around sin. He has to be, perfect has to be with perfect. Perfect is not supposed to be with imperfect. And to be quite honest, it's like, well, shoot, now what? I can't be perfect, right? And Ephesians says that no one can work their way to get there. No one can work their way to righteousness. No one can work their way to being good enough to stand before God and say, here you go, here's everything I did for you. We can't do that. He looks at it, as Craig said a couple weeks ago, as filthy rags. The literal terminology for that would be menstrual cloths. They are filthy rags that nobody wants. Our good deeds outside of following Jesus are worthless and nothing. They mean nothing to God. He's like, cool, you did good stuff, but you still didn't follow me. You still didn't give your life over to me. You still didn't crucify yourself for me. You didn't turn from your sin. You didn't repent. You had a form of righteousness, but it was worthless. And we don't want to have a worthless faith. We don't want to have this form of righteousness, doing good things, but not actually following Jesus, trying to work for something that we can't attain. We're owed nothing but wrath. God's wrath. We're owed death. We're owed separation from Him. In the beginning, when Adam and Eve committed the first sin, he could have easily just been like, I'm done. Wiped them out and just said, okay, they messed up. Let's just start over. I'm glad he didn't do it that way. Instead, we see all the way back in the very beginning, in the Garden of Eden, the very first death is actually a sacrifice done by God himself. He sacrificed a lamb and makes clothing out of that lamb's skin for Adam and Eve, saying, this lamb died on your behalf. Its death now covers your shame. And that's a picture of Jesus. Jesus is called the Lamb of God, right? He came, He lived perfectly, He suffered, He died, and He rose so that we could be covered by His atoning work that He did on the cross. In uh, Romans 5, verse 12, it kind of really reiterates this, this point. 
Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, which is Adam, and death through sin, because there was no there was no death before sin entered the world. Nothing died until sin. Then you saw the curse fall upon the entire earth, upon humanity, upon the beasts, upon the seas. You see the the curse fall upon the entire earth. Now plants die, animals die, people die. So the penalty of sin is death. And in this way, death spread to all people because all sinned. So sin literally follows all the way down from Adam. And their original sin is not only the fact that they chose to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that God said not to eat from. It actually goes deeper than that. It goes to what the root of all sin is, and that's pride. Because if you go even further back into eternity past, you see the first, the first, like, first, like, sin, honestly, is done by Lucifer. And his was pride. He said, I will ascend above the mountain of God. That's pride. And we see that all sin is rooted in pride. We want to be our own God, right? And we want to take things into our own mat, into our own hands and live for ourselves, do what we want. You know, so now sin enters the world. And what's the wages? Wages of sin right here in, in Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death. Now, one of my favorite words in the Bible is going to be weird to you guys, but I think it's very powerful, is the word but. Not in like your butt, but, you know, the word but. Because right here it says, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Whenever we think that things are so hopeless, whenever we think that things can't get any better, there's always this but God moment. But God stepped into humanity in the person of Jesus. But God is the Savior of the world. But God died for us. But God rose from the grave to show himself as God. To say that grave has no hold on me. Sin can't hold on to me because I lived perfectly. Only God could do that. And there's no other God in history that has ever done that. ever. You might hear of different mythical gods that have done something similar, you know, like the god Mithras. 
A lot of people say that that is where the, the Jesus that we have in our history and in our Bible came from. It says it's a copycat of that. Because Mithras lived, was born of a virgin, lived. His body was completely ripped apart, and then he resurrected, and he had 12 followers. However, the myth of Mithras comes probably about a thousand years after Jesus. Although they try to say that the writings are dated pre-Jesus, but they're not. Because with writings, we can actually go through and figure out how old they are. That's how we know that the manuscripts from, that we have from the Bible are as old as they are. We have manuscripts that date back to the first century. The manuscripts for other gods and things like that, they are just not there. They're not there. We can't, we can't find anything earlier on them. You know, you have like the Egyptian hieroglyphs, you know, and the weird gods that they, they followed. But those gods didn't lead anywhere. They led to death and to Sheol or Hades. And eventually leads to the lake of fire. You know, but God stepped in to fix all of that. You know, and without what God did through Jesus, we would be utterly lost. And we would just be worthless. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to feel worthless. I don't want to believe that I'm worthless. But when the creator of the universe says, without me, you're worthless, I got to believe him. And I got to feel the weight of that. You know, but God, I can't stress that enough. God steps in. God steps in and takes on the sin of us. Like, do you understand how powerful that is? That God willingly came into humanity and died on our behalf and then beat the grave? And is going to return? in power and glory. We're going to see Jesus in a way that we've never, never seen before. Only one time in Jesus's life on earth did anybody see him in that way. At the Mount of Transfiguration, he transformed into a being of light. Jesus is powerful, and when he returns... He returns as the conquering king, the lion of the tribe of Judah, not the suffering servant anymore. Now he's the conquering warrior coming back for those who follow him and to bring judgment on those who refused. But we have hope.
We have hope right now in this life. While we still have breath in our lungs, we have hope. And it says in Romans 10.13, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And I'm going to just jump right to the next one because they flow together very well. In, ten, in chapter 10, 9 and 10, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. One believes with the heart, resulting in righteousness, and one confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. Now, that ver those verses can get a little confusing. So let's try to break it down a little bit. And it says in 13 that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. Now, that's just not like going, Jesus saved me. You know, it says here, you know, it says that you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that he is actually risen. Because if you don't believe that Jesus is risen, there's no point in following him. Because then he's just dead in the ground and there's no point in following him. Just like all the other weird prophets and gods that said that they were the Messiah or that they are some sort of God. Well, where are they right now? They're all dead. Jesus is the only one who has ever risen from the grave. And over 500 people at one time saw him after he had risen. 500 people do not have the same hallucination. It is impossible. And even more people than that actually saw him alive. The disciples saw him come through a wall. They were able to touch him. They saw the scars because he still bears the marks of his crucifixion. Think about that. He has a glorified body that is imperishable, but he still bears the scars of what he did so that when he returns, it's going to be very unmistakable. So when these false prophets and false messiahs start popping up, we're going to know you are not him. You are not him. Now, many people will be deceived. However, we have warnings all throughout the Bible that say, there's going to be false prophets. There's going to be false messiahs. But we're going to know the real Jesus because he comes on the he comes down from the sky and he says that he's going to be like light shining from east to west. It's very unmistakable. Not to mention, he's going to have the scars of crucifixion. These false prophets and false messiahs, they're not going to have that. We'll be able to know right away. You know, but... It says that we are supposed to, within our minds and with our mouths, confess Jesus as Lord God and Messiah. To not be afraid to confess Him in front of other people. And then to also know within our very being that He's risen. And sometimes let's admit that's hard. It's hard. Because we have church history and the writings of the Bible, so sometimes it's hard to believe it. 
But I guarantee you, when you come to Jesus and you lay your life down before him and you turn from your sin and the Holy Spirit indwells you, you're going to know it. You're going to feel something is different. You're not going to want to do the stupid sins that you did before. You're not going to want to go out and get hammered. You're not going to want to go out and do drugs. You're not going to want to go and hide in a corner somewhere and watch porn without feeling shame, without feeling guilt. And that's the spirit within you telling you, that is not what I died for. I died so you could be set free from those things. The Bible says when you come to Jesus and you lay your life down before him and you take on his righteousness, that you are no longer alive to sin and it no longer has a hold on you. It says that you become a saint dead to sin. That's why we can conquer over the sin that so badly wants to take over us. Because sin is always crouching at the door, right? It's always right there. Always wanting to take us down. And sometimes it's our own doing. You know, we'll put sin aside in a box. We'll say we're never going back to it. And then a couple months go by and we're like, what's in that box? And we pull it out and we start to uh, see what we can do with it. That's not repentance. There's a difference between a slip up an actual going into sin. A slip-up is, oh man, I, I can't believe I looked at that picture. I can't believe I watched that video. And you feel that sorrow and you come before God and you tell Him, I am so sorry I gave in to what my flesh wanted. Now the just letting it out and playing with it forever, that is not turning from sin. That is not what Jesus died for. So you could just sin all you want. That's not how grace works. Grace is freely given. But we're also not supposed to just be like, well, I'm under grace, so I can do whatever I want. That's a fallacy and a lie from the pit of hell. You know, so Jesus is inviting us to lay down our lives. He's saying, come die. Come crucify yourself and let me live for you. He's saying, let me take on the junk. Let me take on the sin. Let me relieve you from those things. My yoke is light. My burden is not heavy. How many of you are carrying a heavy burden? How many of us are living with some secret sin? How many of us are giving into our fleshly nature? And how many of us are ready to let it all go and give it all up to Jesus? Give our lives to Him and take on His righteousness. It's a daily process. It also says, come to me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the only way 
to be saved. So now my, my last question is going to be, if you have not given your life to Jesus and you want to, I want to know. I want to know. Whether that means you put your hand up right now or that means you come and talk to me later, that's fine. And if you're not ready, that's okay too. I want everyone to know that. It's okay to not be ready. You know, but at some point, you have to decide. Either you're going to choose to follow Jesus or you're going to choose to follow yourself. One leads to eternal life, one leads to eternal death in the lake of fire. I don't want anybody I ever come in contact to go with the, go there. I want everybody to come into eternal life. I want to see you guys in the new heaven and new earth. We care about you guys here. That's why we bring these messages. May not seem like it sometimes when we're enforcing policies, but we do. We care about you guys. We really do. We want to see you move on from here. This is a stepping stone. This place is a stepping stone where you can come, hear the gospel, hear the truth, and be told the truth. You can come here and get a fresh start. Whether that be in your spiritual life or your just normal everyday life. So if you're ready to give your life to Jesus and actually follow him, I'm encouraging you to do so. Anybody in here that is already following Jesus, let me tell you, the gospel is for you too. You need to be reminded of it every day so that every day you can practice turning from sin. So you can practice repentance and confession of those things that you struggle with. The gospel's for everyone. You know, this is all about Jesus. Because he's the only one who saves. I hope that made sense, guys. Really do. We care about you. We love you guys. What was your question? I just wanted to back you up on what you said uh, uh, about temptation, about our sins and stuff. The book of James is pretty harsh, you know, but it's the truth. He says, you know, what causes the fights and quarrels among you? It's your own evil desires. Mm-hmm. You know, some people will say, oh, Satan made me do it. You know, it's our own evil desires that come upon us, you know? Absolutely. Uh, I mean, Satan's too busy doing other things. You know? Yeah, he's too too busy accusing us in front of God. <laughs> yeah, you know, but, you know, so I just, I love the book of James a lot. Absolutely. Know? pretty hard but it's real it is it is i agree yeah no no yeah you know and that's the thing like a lot of times we talk about temptation and we you know a lot of people forget to mention that temptation is not sin it's what you do with the temptation that is sin you know but jesus can set us free from those things like i said people who follow jesus are saints dead to sin So we need to kill sin. We need to kill the sin in our lives. 
and allow Jesus to do it. And with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for this message. Lord, you spoke mightily. I'm just a person. Lord, you are the ones giving the word by your spirit. Lord, we thank you so much for these verses, for what you spoke, for what you are doing in everyone's hearts, even including mine, Lord. Lord, these are messages that I need to be reminded of all the time. Lord, because I'm still human. I'm still on this earth and I can still choose to turn from you and follow my own way. But Lord, we pray that we would just honor you, that we would glorify you, that we would live in the power and salvation that you have freely given to us if we will but come to you in faith. Lord, work in our hearts. Give us strength, give us boldness, give us wisdom to stand against our flesh and to not give in to the temptations that we are tempted with on a daily, moment-by-moment -moment basis. Lord, we again, we praise you, and we thank you so much for the grace you've given, for what you've done on the cross, and for raising from the dead, and we eagerly await your return. Lord, again, we praise you and love you. In your name, amen. Thank you, guys.